Hello, I'm Pastor Zach Hoffman, and I'm the pastor at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Gainesville, Georgia, where we seek to know Christ and love one another. We do this by witnessing faithfully, transforming our homes into places where the Word of God dwells, and by investing in the communities around us. We hope that you enjoy this podcast, and if you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning, our service times are at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. God's blessings. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who grants us power to live in true devotion as we read, mark, learn, inwardly digest, and faithfully perform his divine and saving word. In Jesus' name, amen. Understand that Pastor Hoffman has been requesting that you bring your Bibles so that you can make notes in them. We Any Bibles? Okay, yes, yeah. As a matter of fact, if you're using your Bible on your phone, uh, take a minute, text the least spiritual person that you know and invite them to church. <laughs> I'm sitting in church right now. Pastor said text you and invite you. <laughs> so, um, Please open your Bibles to Matthew 6, and, and we'll look at verses 19 through, through 24. It seemed good to me, to the Spirit in me, good morning, Reverend, <laughs> uh, to make sure that we all have the same foundational understanding of the Word of God. It's, it's not a novel that you want to read from cover to cover, and it's not one coherent sequential narrative. Right? Because actually there are 66 books, 40 authors, spanning an indeterminate amount of time. It's not a word-for-word narration such that every word is verbatim and every activity is covered. In fact, John 20 says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John further says in chapter 21, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So everything that we need to know for salvation is in our Bible, in Matthew, this, this word. Um, but not every single word Jesus spoke is there, and, and it's not even necessarily in sequential order. That's why it seems sometimes like Jesus goes off on these tangents, right? Because at one point, he's talking about laying up treasures in earth, and, and then at another point, he's talking about your eye being the lamp of your body, and then at the next point, he's talking about serving two masters. So there may be some stuff that's between all of those narratives. But everything in there is true and is essential to lead us to salvation. Another thing to remember about Matthew is that he's a Jewish tax collector, amen? Consequently, he probably understands the implications of the Old Testament prophecies regarding Jesus more than the others. So when you are reading Matthew, uh, always look for ties back to the Jewish faith. Now, Matthew 6 and 19. Jesus is teaching He's preaching, he's proclaiming in this Sermon on the Mount. He's advising those who would like to deepen their relationship with the Father. 
seems that Jesus is concerned about the religious dress rehearsal. You remember this, this message from Pastor? As Pastor Hoffman is teaching this spiritual fashion show in which people engage and Jesus would have us fully understand the nature of true devotion. Not, it's not a religious fashion show. It's not a, it's not a religious uh, dress rehearsal. You know, this has been the agenda of our Father from the very beginning, that we should know how to be truly devoted to him as he is to us. There's only one rule in the garden. There's only one rule. There's only one restriction that would betray true devotion. Our Father said, enjoy the garden, help yourself, eat whatever you want, have a walk with me in the cool of the day, fellowship with all of creation, just don't eat from that tree that's in the midst of the garden, because on the day in which you eat of it, you will surely die. There's only one thing, one like God had a thousand, there's only one thing. Their devotion lapsed for a moment. And even a momentary lapse, a minimal lapse, completely negates and betrays our devotion to our Father. A lapse means we are devoted to something more than we are devoted to the Lord God. Now this is a very real challenge for us in America. But we are very easily distracted from our Father and his desire for us by all of our stuff. We have so much stuff that even our stuff has stuff. We are distinctly blessed, uniquely blessed, abundantly blessed. God has been good to us in America. We have more of everything than we need. We have uh, more food, more clothes, more homes, more cars, more trash, more pollution. We make more of everything than everybody else. We have lots of stuff. And we lay up stuff on the earth. And we enjoy our stuff. We like our stuff. You know what? God's not angry with us because we have lots and lots of stuff. It's okay with him. It must be because he gave it to us. Right? I mean... It's ultimately his stuff, and he can do with it what it was, so he, he gave it to us. But then Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures, stuff, on earth, because moth and rust will destroy it, and thieves will break in and steal it. But while you're making, laying up stuff on the earth, make sure that you also lay up for yourself some treasure in heaven, because in your heavenly treasure, moth or rust don't destroy, and thieves will not break in and steal. The word treasure is important. You do understand that it's possible for one person's trash to be another person's treasure, right? I mean, <laughs> the word treasure in Greek is thesaurus, or a collection of things we've determined are somehow related or near to one another by definition. Thesaurus. So if you looked in the thesaurus for the word treasure, you would find a number of words related to things that people esteem as being valuable. Our Father is not simply a thing of value. Thesaurus. Our Father is the most valuable, the most exalted, 
the most excellent, and to put anything next to him, to compare him with anything, is called adultery, idolatry. And that is the one thing our father can't tolerate, this idolatry. He, can't, he, he is a jealous God who refuses to share your devotion. Remember the first commandment, thou shalt have what? No other gods. He's a jealous God. The issue with earthly treasure is that it's consumable. This is the problem. Have an apple, I eat the apple, and it's completely what? It's gone. Can't, can't eat it again. Have a bottle of water, drink my bottle of water, and it's gone. All I have left is an empty bottle. We have today, but at midnight tonight, the day will be gone, and we can't get it back. It becomes yesterday. Are, are you getting Jesus' point here? that everything that we lay up on earth as earthly treasure is consumable. It'll work today and not work tomorrow for no apparent reason. The thing that you, you, we know about our consumable stuff is that it will cease to work when we most need it to. The computer's fine till you really absolutely positively have to find something on it. Then all of a sudden it, it has this hiccup and it won't work. Your car works and runs absolutely fine until you've got a 10 o'clock appointment with the doctor and it's 9.45. Now all of a sudden you turn the key and nothing happens. The problem with consumable treasures on earth is that, is that they go out of style. They don't, they don't work. They, get, they, they are consumed. They, they get destroyed. Thieves break in and steal. True devotion re we requires believers to realize what is valuable. And we don't find the valuable stuff in a consumable earth. Everything on earth used once and it's gone. Moth and rust. Sometimes people will consume it. You ever been, you ever been in this? I thought I had a piece of chocolate cake in the refrigerator. Did you see what happened to my cake? <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I thought I left the, right? That only happens in my house. That doesn't happen <laughs> in your house. That, that stuff gets consumed because people will consume your stuff for you. That's what we get from devotion to earthly treasure. Treasure in heaven, never all used up. There is enough to never be consumed. When we store treasure in heaven, it's, it's inexhaustible. There's always more. By faith in Christ, there's more joy. By faith in Christ, more peace, more grace. It is interesting, though, when we think about it, that some things do get completely swallowed up in heaven. For example, all tears have been consumed. Death will be swallowed up. Cancer and illness and infirmity all swallowed up. Disobedience swallowed up. All leaving room, even more room, for the graces of the Father in our new home in heaven. Perhaps that's why there's so much worship and adoration there, because all the stuff that's consumable and not helpful has been left behind. And there is only that which is treasure. Verse 21 is an interesting commentary on our lives. Uh, and gives us a way of evaluating what we truly lay up as, as treasure. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Not where your heart is, there your treasure is, but where your treasure is, there your heart will be. It's a very interesting capacity that we human beings have. 
is the capacity for self-deception. We deceive ourselves and think that we are fooling some others, but the truth is that even if we fool everyone else, God is not deceived. He knows exactly what we value, and he knows exactly what we love. He gives us this way to discern it for ourselves. When we are brutally honest with ourselves and confess what we treasure, then it is that we truly know where our heart is, and our Father would have our hearts set on pleasing him. This, dear friends, is true devotion. The eye is the lamp of the body, Jesus says. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Remember back in Genesis, Adam and Eve decided to eat that which was forbidden? Genesis 3.7 says, uh, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, made themselves loincloths. They clearly had eyes in their head, because those eye, and those eyes were open because they saw that the fruit looked good and was helpful for food. So it wasn't their physical eyes that were open. Their spiritual eyesight was 20-20 because they would see and walk with their father in the garden in the cool of the day. It wasn't the physical eyes, it wasn't the spiritual eyes that were open. So what was open? Their soulish eyes, the eyes of the mind, will, and emotion, and that's the stuff that ultimately rebels against God. The eyes of the soul that see in such a way that they covet. I want what I have, and I also want what you have. These are the eyes of the soulish nature. They covet, they want control, they take, they kill, they steal, they destroy. Now this eye is the lamp of the body. For Adam and Eve, their eyes once full of light, as was their body, has now become bad and their body is full of darkness. So they try to cover up their darkness and hide their newfound treasure from God. They sew together some fig leaves. As if you can hide your deception, you can hide your falling under a fig leaf. But we do things as ridiculous. <laughs> right? Try to hide what we're doing and what we have done from one another as well as from God. We, we, we are as ridiculous as if God wouldn't know and God can't see. I can think for myself. I can do what I want to do. And if you don't like it, so what? That's my newfound treasure. I can do what I want to do. Sin and hell and death. Great darkness. Newfound treasure. Now we do not treasure the light, but rather the darkness, and this devotion is to an untrue thing. Our eye is not healthy. We see and we covet, we get jealous, and we will even perhaps develop a preference for more stuff rather than more of our Father's love and grace. This is profound darkness and profound blindness. There are no contacts, no eyeglasses, no cataract operation, no corneal replacement that can resolve this vision issue. Jesus continues in verse 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And the word there is, 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 is 
a word from the Chaldean, actually. It's, it's uh, translated mammon. That's how, it, that's how it, it's translated out. You can't serve both God and mammon. So don't think this is a verse simply about money. Because it is about all of our spare stuff. This is the core of our problem. We are determined to serve two masters. To have our cake and eat it too. Or maybe I'll have my cake and eat. Anybody seen? <laughs> this is the core of our problem. We want to function as if we can serve God for two hours on Sunday and our own desire for the other 166 hours for the week, of the week. Ah. not even a tithe of the week. We play around on the fringes of faith and devotion, and we'll blame God when tribulation and problems arise in our lives, and we're not prepared to deal with them because we haven't been what? Devoted, truly, to God and his word. Right? Hey, how'd you let this happen to me? You do, it, you do realize that the opportunity is to stay engaged with the Father. That's the opportunity we have through the power of the Holy Spirit, to stay engaged, praying daily, attending worship faithfully, serving family and friends faithfully, meditating on the Word diligently so that our eye is focused on our Father. And, and when challenges come, we are better prepared to handle them because there is light in us, the fruit of true devotion. And we are clearly focused on the goodness of God and are not trying to serve both God and the world. Uh, it is much too late to prepare for the exam when you're sitting at the desk with the test in front of you. It's too late then. Preparation is essential. And here's preparation, isn't it? You can't serve both God and man. It, it, it's like, this is just, just a pet peeve of mine. Um, it's time for the offering. And I, and I look around at the people of God, and I see folks starting to dig in their pockets. Was this a surprise for us? <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean was, this, was this a shock? I mean, we, we always take an offer. I mean, it's what we do. I mean, it's, it's, why, are you, why are you looking and digging around to give God a leftover something? That's not true devotion. Or, or time for the offering, so I rip out our, my checkbook, and I write my... Check out while the plate's coming down. The, true devotion says, I am prepared to meet my father. Amen? You, you know, we used to do this thing. We used to do this thing, right? You had, there were Sunday clothes, anybody? And there were Sunday shoes. You didn't wear them during the week. There were Sunday shoes and Sunday clothes. And you laid out your stuff on Saturday. And, and you had your little quarter to put in the offering or your little nickel or, or whatever it was. And you were prepared for worship. Our parents were trying to teach us how to be truly devoted to God. This is true devotion and preparation. Appreciate this. The Father is completely devoted to us. Think about this as you read that remarkable book of the Bible and, and Gospel of Matthew. God works through, the milli through millennia of rejection from Israel, complaints about how much better we know than he knows. He never gives up on us, but has true devotion for us. 
through Abraham's calling and Abraham's failure and Red Sea splitting and complaints about Israel, through scripture writing, Goliath slaying, King David anointing, prophets sending, long suffering, true devotion to us despite our rejection, despite our faults, despite our confusion and failure, despite our doubt of his love and care. God remains devoted to us. Our Father is so generous, in fact, that he gives us a picture of what true devotion looks like when it takes on flesh and comes to earth. You know this. Jesus is a picture of true devotion. Now, for you, I say true devotion, but for Jesus, it's perfect devotion. God, God doesn't demand perfect devotion from him because he knows we will never get there. But he does demand a heart that's truly devoted to him. Jesus is devoted to the Father, to you and to me. He's so devoted that he would come down from heaven, take on our flesh, bear the heat of the day, the cold of the night, hunger and temptation from the enemy, rejection of family and friends, betrayal with a kiss, the scourging, the pain of crucifixion, the anguish of death, the rejection of his father for you and for me. My God, my God. That's for us because Jesus is truly devoted to us. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.21 takes it to a level that, that just, that, that's mind-boggling. For our sake, he, he, that is the Father, made him, that is Jesus, to be sin. To be sin. Not to just be covered up in it, not to just take it on, to be it. That's a mind-boggling thing. He who has no sin and knows no sin becomes sin for us. This, my friends, is true devotion to love enough to sacrifice and to put the agenda of God before our own desires. We still do not have the power to live the, these lives of true devotion, and so God can't be finished yet, and indeed he's not. After three days, our Jesus, this son of the truly devoted God, rose again from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, sent the Spirit, our helper, our counselor, our comforter, who comes to aid us with our faults and failures as we pray by his power. Lord Jesus, help me. Help me to be as truly devoted to you as you and the Father have been to me. Open my eyes, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, to see you and to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Bless me, Father, to consider Jesus, who endured from a sinful world such unmatched hostility, so that I don't grow weary or faint-hearted as I strive to remain faithful unto you. This precious saints of the Most High God, is the key to true devotion. And I pray that the Father would release it into our lives incrementally more and more. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep all of our hearts and minds in the one true faith unto life everlasting.